0: Of behind the lens i'm debbie elias now i'm choking again this week i ended last week choking but this week i brought my water and the bottle is open so i can get it open when i'm choking i'm debbie elias film critic creator and host of behind the lens where we go behind the lens and below the line with the movers the shakers the film and tv makers the producers, the directors, the writers, the actors, the costume designers, the production designers, the cinematographers, the sound mixers, sound editors, uh, film editors, you name it, we talk to them. Even even authors and lawyers who are documentary subjects. We talk to them all. And we've had some really... I, I have been going... Nuts! Doing interviews. So many of them were embargoed until films released. A lot, a a passel of stuff just released on Friday, October first. Uh, we've already got I've already got a couple of those interviews up on our YouTube channel and also on behindthelensonline.net. Check them out. Um, one of them is an incredible interview, and I can't encourage you enough to check out on Netflix Diana the Musical. An absolutely beautiful, beautiful film. It is the actual stage production of Diana, uh, the musical. It is opening on Broadway November 17th. But it w- the production was filmed during COVID without an audience. And Christopher Ashley, who directs the, the musical and who directs the film, they shot it like a film. It is Beautiful. You don't lose any of the theatricality or the stage production. It's shot on the stage in the theater where it's it will play in Broadway. Declan Quinn came in as cinematographer. It is stunning. It is the performances are great. The music, uh, and the song lyrics are fabulous. It's a lot of fun. One of the my favorite parts of the production, however, are the costumes because. In putting the musical together, they picked some of the most iconic outfits of Princess Diana over her, her over her life and that were photographed umpteen trillion times. And that is what was used to, you know, you tweak them a little bit. Much like Julian Day did with Bohemian Rhapsody and Freddie Mercury's costumes uh, for Rami Malek's portrayal of him. Uh, this is what was done... Uh, with Diana the musical, but it is it is fabulous. I can't encourage you enough to see it. Another great film, so unique, so fresh. That opened on Friday, May Day. Karen Sonori, uh, writer director. It's a very unique feminist take on a woman finding her, a young woman finding her voice, uh, in a in a world. She's transported into a world where women more or less, it, it involves Greek mythology, harkening back to the sirens who call men to their death. Uh, and this and this is what essentially occurs is you have these women in a timeless yet World War II kind of setting. Uh, the production values are impeccable. They are gorgeous. Ivan uh, Voljaka did the production design. Colin Stetson does the score. Sam Levy, cinematography. Shot in Croatia, it is beautiful. It, uh, most of it, 90% of the film, takes place in this cove uh, in Croatia with rocky crags and cliffs and a forest and all come into play in this production as our heroine Anna finds her voice um, amongst with... These other women. Um, the cast is impeccable. Grace Van Patten, Mia Goth, Havana, Rose Lou, Soko, and Juliet Lewis. It is... I love the film. I love it. Uh, and you will hear, if you don't hear it at the end of today's show, my interview with Karen Sonori, you will find it tonight up on BehindTheLensOnline.net, uh, along with a very lengthy interview with her partner in crime, her life partner in crime and cinematographer, Sam Levy. Uh, Sam and I went really dug in deep uh, into the making of Mayday. And it's just, it's a wonderful film. It looks beautiful. And come on, how many, how many productions do you know where you have a production designer who goes and builds you a U-boat? Okay? Um, so, so incredible. And I can't encourage you highly enough to see it. Another beautiful film, Old Henry. The Western is alive and well. Tim Blake Nelson, Stephen Dorff. It is one of the two best performances of Dorff's career. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, those interviews with John uh, Matczak and the filmmaker Patsy Panzeroli. I will have those out for you uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, Talking at length about that. And then another film that opened on Friday. American Night. uh, Writer and director Alessio Delavalle. What a film. It is neo-noir neon. And it is. It's crazy. It's glorious. It's set in the art world. And it stars Jeremy Piven. And Paz Vega. You don't need much more than that. Uh, and I got to tell you, a really fun performance in there from Emil Hirsch, who we never see enough of. And a small little cameo from Michael Madsen that sets this up for a potential sequel. So who knows? But uh, if we get to any of these interviews today, great. If not, you're going to find them on behindthelensonline.net, uh, some later tonight, and the rest uh, tomorrow. But right now, we're going to shift gears and. I'm so excited that I get to welcome the wonderful Lauren Fash to the show. Hi, Lauren. Oh, hi. Welcome. Thanks welcome so much for having me. Oh, I am thrilled to have you. Now, the first thing we have to clarify, though, what is okay. the actual title of this film? Is it Through the Glass Darkly <laughs> or, or Disappearance at Lake Elrod? What, have, what has the yeah, distributor a- gone with? That's a good question.
1: Uh, so it looks like <laughs> "Through the Glass Darkly" was the original title. Right. That was the the working title. That's what we shot with. Uh, but it looks like the distributors are going to rename it "Disappearance at Lake Elrod. So, well, I think that's that, the
0: word on the street, at least. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, and I think that's a mistake because "Through the Glass Darkly" fits this film so well, and it really comes to the fore when we get into the third act of the film. Uh, I,
1: you know, I I agree with you.
0: (laughs) I I think people will will understand and appreciate Through the Glass Darkly more than Disappearance at Lake Elrod. Disappearance at Lake Elrod sounds like it should be a Lifetime movie, (laughs) I'm saying.
1: Yeah, you know, I I again, I I don't disagree with. You. I think I think, you know, it's just a marketing thing. Yeah. It's really really hard for independent films to figure out marketing plans and we live in a world of clickbait. Yep. And, you know, they they I think their minds are, you know, what is going to attract the most commercial audience, you know, the most clicks and I think that because it it is a a thriller whodunit in their mind, you know they they yeah. think that that audience will be more attracted to the
0: disappearance. The word disappearance, <laughs> yeah. Um, this, but
1: yeah, this... I, I definitely prefer through the glass. Party, yeah, if I'm if I'm being honest.
0: Yeah, and that's what I prefer too. I uh, because I think that really captures this film so much better because this really is yeah. it's. I I I was enthralled. I could not look away from this film, uh, Lauren. It is a, oh, thank a, you. It is a pot boiler. And more than that, it is a character study of individuals and right. a character study of a town collectively. And I love the way you have structured this film. The story is so compelling you don't see what's coming. I mean, I just about jumped out of my chair when we got to the third act and we got a twist upon a twist and upon a twist. And I was like, oh, my God, didn't see that coming. Uh, Absolutely amazed. But then you give us. uh, And I honestly think this is one of the best performances of her career. Robin Lively as. As our hero, Charlie Glass, and paired with Shinola Hampton as a reporter, mm-hmm. Amy Hale, who teams up with her. These two are magical on screen. The whole time I'm watching it, once the two of them, once Amy steps in to help Charlie uh, and believes her about her daughter being missing and another child being missing, um, that they're connected and she wants to help dig into this. Of course, she also needs a good story for her own career. Right. But watching Robin Lively and Shanola Hampton together, all I kept thinking is, my God, we need a Cagney and Lacey 21st century and these are the people <laughs> for it. Um, fabulous. Fabulous. Oh, well, thank you. Thank
1: you for those. Are, those Those are the, the best compliments I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, and you're right you know they were it, it was magic on screen and off screen you know robin and shinola they had an instant connection and it's just something that you can't write you can't yeah you can't force you know that either happens or it doesn't that chemistry is undeniable you know it's it's just love mm-hmm. you know we can't really explain it and and that that's what it was i mean the second they met In fact, a lot of my direction was, okay, you guys don't like each other in the film this much. I know you love each other in real life, (laughs) Um, you know, because they just did. They just fed off of each other, their energies. They just, they loved each other. And they're still best friends. I just had lunch with them this week, you know. Oh, wow. Extremely good friends. And that happened, you know, even with Kinsley, Isla Dillon, who played uh, Charlie's daughter, Lily, Mm -hmm. you know, that, their connection as well. I mean, Kinsley just loves Robin it was just this and it's a mutual adoration that you know I just I got I got really lucky I ha, I feel like the cast you know they they really made me look good so I appreciate
0: the all ca- of them. the cast um, it, it is it's amazing but and but when you talk about Robin and Shanola and their chemistry I have to say it's like you sit there and Robin's character Charlie would say something and Amy will you know Shanola will do this eye roll um, mm-hmm. you know, chin goes down, eyes go up, and she'll make a snarky re- response. And it is just so fitting. And the way, just the body language, the facial expressiveness is so telling and speaks volumes. And it just fuels this and adds, yeah. you know, so much. But, you know, for all the listeners here, tell tell everybody. How would you describe what this story is? What is this story, through the glass darkly, aka disappearance at Lake Elroy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's. Uh, I think I appreciate you saying that it's a character study because I think that it is that. I think it's a look at a character's grappling with grief
2: mm-hmm. and
1: how a trauma has affected her entire life. You know, I, I book in this film with a wraparound shot. Yep. And it it conveys the cyclical and vicious cycle of grief that she is kind of stuck in. And, you know, it's set... To me, psychological thrillers are my favorite genre because I do love character studies. And I love, I love being in the mind of... You know your your protagonist,
2: mm-hmm. especially
1: if it's an unreliable narrator, yeah, um, which is what we have here. So, uh, and then from a plot standpoint as well, I love a good you know mystery, and I think that audiences. I know for me, when I watch something, I like to be a part of it, and I feel like when you're trying to uncover clues and you and you're getting to engage with the material, it's far more rewarding. Mm-hmm. So you know that's to me what this film is, and I think that you know, I've, I experienced grief in my life. I lost my father at a very young age. And so, you know, when you lose someone that close, you really do, it's, it's a gift that keeps on taking. You know, yeah. It's a constant That's kind it. of struggle. And, and, um, you know, it, it is one of those things that you, you deal with for your, the rest of your life, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and we've got Charlie, whose, whose daughter is, is missing. She's disappeared. And the, the police department, um, they just dismiss her as being crazy and they're not looking for her kid. But then somebody else's kid, you know, the 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 right. wealthy family who have everybody in their pockets uh, in town, their child disappears. And the police, are, the sheriff is pulling out all stops to find that child. So. But Charlie is the one that thinks there's some, some kind of conspiracy happening. That it's a town like that to have two children disappear, two young, two young girls, uh, that's a little too coincidental. And right. as you watch it, it's a small town. It's set in 97, but you give it this very timeless feel. There's not a lot of electronics running around. There's a minimal amount. Uh, We got a payphone. Amy's reporter character. She's using a payphone uh, in this little town. It's, you know, you've got a mom-and-pop store on the street. You've got a ramshackled old whiskey distillery that had been in in the matriarchal family for generations. Uh, But it's one of these typical down-south, low-income towns. Where, you know, you're getting by by the skin of your teeth, and nobody is the most educated um, or right. well-to-do. And each one of the characters comes into such a great play. But you give us that setup, and then Charlie is ostracized anyway because she's going against the Holy Roller uh, residents of the town because she's gay. Right. So, poor Charlie, she's got everything against her.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think I feel like uh, in terms of searching for the location, I went to this place. So we shot in Jasper, Georgia, and Ellijay, Georgia. Mm-hmm. They're these small towns about an hour north of Atlanta. And I grew up in Atlanta, and I would go to these these towns every summer. And the reason I chose them was that essentially they hadn't, Really changed in yeah. 30 years from a visual standpoint. You know, it's kind of like, and and that's true for a lot of towns around the U. The U.S. Yeah, excuse me. They're they're kind of trapped in time, and I loved that because it thematically works for this story. Um, and you know, in terms of Charlie being a pariah, I mean, I think that that happens in a small town. You yep. know, especially in the nineties when it wasn't, you know, now it's almost trendy to be gay. <laughs> no, uh, it, it wasn't when I was growing up.
0: Um, no. Yeah. In, and in, in know, many areas in as well. Oh, the South. Yeah. My aunt lives in Omaha, Georgia, you know, a tiny little town. Okay. Yeah. Down there on the Chattahoochee river and the Hanahatchee Creek. So right. <laughs> my mother grew up in Columbus back in the forties. So, oh, uh, wow. I know, I know what goes on down there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different world, you know. Oh. I mean, you live in California for a, a decade or two and you
0: know. Yeah. It's not the same experience. <laughs> but and this is what you do so well. You've got your core story here. Um you bring in Judith Ivy, who I will see in anything as Mama oh, yeah. Mama Carmichael, the matriarch oh. of the town, owner of the of the whiskey distillery. Uh pays everybody off to keep the family secrets. You've got Michael Truco as her son Trip. Um who you can tell he is a bad boy. He still lives with mama, so you know mama is probably covering up a lot of sins. Um right. And it's his daughter who is most recently missing. But you get these great characters, you get these actors, and they fill these these roles and really make these characters come to life. And then you build the town, the supporting townspeople. You've got Cricket the bartender. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Hey Kid, who Charlie hires to. <laughs> she doesn't even remember hiring him <laughs> to work in her camera shop. Um, it's just Kid, you know. Uh, but And then the sheriff and his deputy. And you get these people, and then all these incidental little people, and I don't want to describe them too much because it'll give away secrets. Uh, Right. But you really learn about this town, and this town really is under the thumb of the Carmichael's, but so are all of these people. So you're never sure. You talk about Charlie maybe not being a reliable narrator. Most of the town is not reliable. Right. Um, yeah. Because they're bought and paid for. And then you get reporter Amy in there, who is the one with the fresh eyes and the fresh look on everything. And she becomes really, she clarifies narrative for us in many instances, and it's only by happenstance that she does that. But... you Yeah,
1: it's interesting, you know, like, uh, I, I really like the idea that, you know, this is a love story in terms of a friendship, you know, mm-hmm. and the friendship that they cultivate in this journey yeah. together. And they are both seen as pariahs, pariahs for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? Like I, there's no way that you can shoot in the deep South and not comment on race. Yep. Um, you know, Shinola is very well known. There were people constantly asking her for autographs. Aww. and coming up to her, and, you know, she's just a light of a human being. I said that earlier today. I'm like, you're a light in this world. Like, she is such a wonderful, kind, warm, funny human being um, who just exudes, you know, sunshine. I don't know how else to put it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, by the same token, we'd be shooting, and for whatever reason, a truck would come and uh, had, like, a big rebel flag and decided that it was going to loop around the the square there, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know what they were saying. I don't know what that comment is to me. It means one thing, you know, so it's, yeah, it's still alive and well, and to not comment on it felt dishonest. You have to, um, you know, so, and, and also from my experiences in growing up and, you know, being gay, a very, I, I knew I was gay, very young. So it, it wasn't like a question, you know, I, I knew that I had to keep this secret. You know, you talk about secrets, like it, It was a secret something that I had to hide, you know, so you've got these two characters who who are outsiders in this town for those for those reasons. Mm -hmm.
0: And you've got Amy as a reporter who wants to expose any uh, any and all secrets. Um, Yeah. Which I mean, that that's the linchpin that you have going that pushes this this pairing, this joining of forces between these two women that really then propel this story. But, you know, what you do, I have to commend you on your visual tonal bandwidth and the work of your cinematographer, Damian Horan. I got to tell you, uh, Lauren, there are so many filmmakers that might have, because of the nature of the story and the quote-unquote estrangement of the main character from the town... Um, they might have made gone a cooler, made this look cooler, uh, with a lighter tone and icier tone. But what you and Damien do is you make this film warm. Everything it's warm until we get to big reveals in the third act. It's warm and it embraces. It's like a blanket that captures the whole film in Charlie's POV. It radiates the love she has for her daughter, Lily, who's missing. And with your cinematography, you bring that warmth to the tale, which makes it so personal, which also makes it easy to understand why Amy could be drawn to that and fit in this blanket. I really love how you did that with the warmth of the, the bulk of the film. Was this a conscious decision? How did you and Damien go about designing the visual look and feel with your cameras and your lighting?
1: Well, uh, thank you. That was a, Damien is a, a, a genius. You know, we went to film school together and while I was there, Damien was just like the guy, you know, he just, <laughs> his talent is undeniable. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's extraordinarily talented. And Damien shoots with emotion. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: so do I. I, I, everything we shoot within, we we made sure to shoot with intention. Nothing was just done for the sake of coverage, which unfortunately in indie film, you don't have time. You don't have the luxury of time. So you're just trying to make your days. But, you know, we consciously talked about everything. I had every single scene rehearsed, blocked, storyboarded. Um, you know, you could turn to Video Village and see the storyboard. So everybody knew exactly what we were getting,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which made made things easier. You know, that preparation when you get to the set, then you're able to kind of go, okay, now we're here. Now we know what we need. Let's look at this. And and I will say, you know, one of the greatest things I learned on the set was, you know, sitting in those moments and seeing what you have in front of you and, instead of just being so focused on on what you've designed. um But anyway, I digress. In terms of the lighting, you know, I wanted to shoot a film noir in the day. Mm
2: -hmm. So,
1: for example, in the uh, in the bar sequence at Rebels and at the hotel room, we, you know, we would blast light through those through those windows to give that that kind of stark contrast in in the lighting. because I did want it to feel like a period piece, you know. I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure. And you talk about tone. To me, tone is everything. I had the composer. We wrote two uh, music cues before we started filming because we wrote the town theme, which was that eerie kind of. It's very that eerie. But, Let uh, me. T- <laughs> yeah, that was awful. Uh, but we wrote that one, and then we wrote Charlie Sweet, which is like the heartbeat of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's the that's her theme. That is the 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 love between Charlie and, and Lily, you know, her missing daughter. And so, you know, all of it, we just kind of incorporated, you know, we knew this was a, a story about a woman who was searching for her daughter. So you need warmth in that.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need, yeah.
1: If you don't care about that connection and those two characters and you don't understand her plight, then the movie doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. so I think we are very cognizant of that, especially in Act 1 when you see you know, the flashbacks of Charlie and Louie together.
0: Oh um, my God. You know,
1: so, again I can't I can't commend Damien more. I I love him. He is so talented. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole look is fabulous. I'm curious because building because this is a pot boiler and it simmers and it simmers until that pressure cooker just explodes. That little top little jiggly thing yeah, you know, it hits the ceiling in Act Three. Um, and blows a gasket so I'm curious how challenging the editing process you were working with Lisa Churgin and uh, Adrian Van Vonsdale I'm curious how challenging the editing was because you had to do this build you had to build this tension you had to monitor the breadcrumbs you were giving us and do it very judiciously and with thought so I'm curious because we're looking at We've got two children two girls missing and it takes a long time before we start seeing things come together. So we're basically running two lines here so i'm I'm really curious about um, you know the editing process.
1: yeah, I mean it started you know when you write a story like this, we had 14 drafts of the script. <laughs> Because every time you change one thing, it's a domino effect and everything else is affected, you know. So it was very challenging and, and we really wanted to make that reveal pay off. Like I was writing to that reveal and then the, you know, the, the kind of climax at the end there. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I wanted to get there. So act one and two, you know, the pace was everything. Because you have a lot of information, you have a lot of breadcrumbs, like you were saying, a lot of plot points that you need to drop. Yeah. I also intentionally put a lot of, uh, you know, what I call Easter eggs in the story. So Mm -hmm. that the second time you watch the film, knowing the reveal, you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's what that, you know, because I I love when when filmmakers do that. To me, it's really rewarding.
0: It's so fun. Um,
1: Yeah, no, it's super fun because now you're watching, you're literally watching the film from a new perspective because now you have all the information, so you get to see all these little things that you might not have caught the first time around. But in terms of the edit, what was really interesting was when I wrote the script, I was the most secure and um, I felt like the strongest act was act one. I just, I was like this, I have no doubt that we are just going to like You know, because you have three films. You have the script, you have what you shoot, and then you have your finalized edit, you know. And they're different, typically, based on, you know, production. You might not be able to get a location. You might have to change things. The actors may say different lines, whatever. Um, And then when we went to edit the script uh, or edit the film, we ended up cutting, I mean, we full-on lifted scenes from Act 1. And it it was just really funny because I just assumed that, you know, we would be toying around with things maybe at the end of act, you know, second half of act two, maybe a little bit in act three. But those actually stayed very close to the script. And it was act one that really got kind of like cut up because, mm-hmm. again, it was a pacing thing. It's like you're you're writing to this, like you yeah. said, like you want the tea to start boiling. You can't have it boil too soon or then you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. So, you know, that's that was like a conscious effort was was getting to that moment and making it really pay off.
0: Well, it really, you really have, you mastered that tension building, that pot boiling. Um, Oh, thank you. You really, you kept ratcheting it up, and it's getting hotter, and it's getting hotter. And, you know, when we finally go to the trailer park, that's when things really start to pop. That's when you know that tea kettle's going to start whistling uh, when we get there. And it is relentless, it you the you then just it's no holds barred and everything it, comes out and it's just it's incredible to watch but it's also incredible to watch the emotional reactions of the characters of Charlie and Amy that because there's another we've got so many reveals that happen but that really the solidification as as so many people's worlds are falling apart in that third act their friendship solidifies even deeper Mm -hmm. and yeah I mean that you know that was the
1: again that was like the love story um but it's so funny that you talk about that moment being kind of like you don't hold back that kind of like anxiety it's just really funny how things translate from production to screen Mm -hmm. we had one night to shoot that sequence (laughs) that you're talking about whoa um and it was, it was an overnight shoot. The whole thing takes place at night. We had a minor who we only had for, <laughs> I think, I think she was only on set for eight hours or something like that. Um, so we were having to do. Uh, we had stunts. We had fire. We, I mean, it was just a huge sequence that we had one night to get. <laughs> and it's just funny because when I watch it, all I think about is the chaos of that night going, how in the hell are we going to get <laughs> this shot? You know, um, and it, it's, it, you know, I remember when I saw the first edit because Adrian did the first half and then Lisa came in and did. So Adrian did the editor's cut and the director's cut and then Lisa did the final uh, The polish, cut. yes. And, you know, seeing it cut together, it was just so anxiety ridden. You know, and I was like, well, that's probably because the energy on
2: set was the exact same thing.
0: <laughs> no, it, I, I, I love, I love the pacing of it and the tension building. Um, it works so well. You know, on every level, this film works. Um, this, be lie, I mean, this is your feature directorial debut. And you have dotted the I's, crossed the T's. And then bold-faced <laughs> and underlined where you needed to. And the result is fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic, Lauren. Well, oh,
1: thank you so much. I really appreciate such kind words.
0: Well, Annie will tell you. If it sucked, I would tell you. Um, <laughs> and i do it on the air, too. So. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's funny because it's,
1: um, you know, at, when we screen the film, um Someone said, what would you change about this movie? In the Q&A, they asked, like, what would you change about the movie? And, you know, it took me seven years to get this project made.
0: No and changes. No changes. It was,
1: hands down, the best experience of my professional career. I mean, I'd love to, like, chat more about the actors, specifically Robin Lively and her performance and what that was like. Um, but for me, you know, I have nothing but love for this project. I It was such an extraordinary experience and um you know it 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 just feels really nice to have someone you know say such you know wonderful things about it because I really did try my best to, to get you know to take the 10 years of experience that I've had kind of struggling you know getting behind the camera as much as possible on these smaller indie projects and and uh you know fingers crossed I can take everything I learned from this one and and Tr- you know, apply it to the to the next one because I, I do think I, the the twenty seven days on set gave me so much more to like understand and and you know I'm just I'm excited for the next one.
0: Well, I'm excited to see it. Uh, I got news for you. Um, I really want to see what you do next. Unfortunately, Lauren, <laughs> we're all out of time today, and I have oh, to, no worries. No worries. And I have to I have to shuffle you off to talk to another filmmaker with a psychological thriller. Today is my day for thrillers. Oh, nice. It's it's my day of darkness, I'm calling it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god, and everybody can now see Through the Glass Darkly aka Disappearance at Lake Elrod. Um it's now out on VOD and digital. So people yep. people can see it. Look for both titles. Um it's <laughs> <laughs> it's because who know we don't know where it is
1: <laughs> i i know i have no idea it's out there i think it's still under through the glass darkly i don't know when that change is happening you know but uh,
0: try, <laughs> do you know <laughs> google lauren's name lauren fash google go. it this will come up you'll see whatever the title is and you know to look for it lauren i can't thank you enough this has been a joy i hope you'll come back on the show again
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate oh, it. Oh,
0: my pleasure. And you go have yourself a wonderful week, and hopefully we will chat soon. Okay, sounds good. Take care. Thanks, Lauren. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you. Bye. And that was Lauren Fash, co-writer and director of Through the Glass Darkly or Disappearance at Lake Elrod, uh, depending on what the distributor is doing. But it's out now. Get it. See it now. Uh-huh. More, more psychological goodness with Fabian Dufields. Hello, Fabian. Welcome.
3: Hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good morning.
0: Uh, whatever, whatever time it is, it's always good. Uh, <laughs> you, w- <laughs> and talk about good. Implanted. This is such a unique film. Oh, my God.
3: Thank you. You Thank
0: scared you. me. This is not a horror film, but you scared me to death. with this, oh, yeah? With this film, this idea of somebody letting a medical company implant an artificial intelligence device in them, allegedly to monitor the body, the body temperatures, and you need sleep, and you need this, and, oh, you're getting sick, so you better go to the doctor, and you better... Mm-hmm. You, and get some antibiotics or something. Um, that in and of itself scares me. But then you take it to the next level. And this this AI, this artificial intelligence named Lex, is actually in, in the head of our heroine, Sarah, and talking to her. So... When you're sitting on the street and you're talking and there's nobody around and people think you're crazy, you're not really crazy because you've got somebody in your head who's actually talking to you. And then taking over the consciousness and being able to enforce and command actions. Wow. Wow, Fabian. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and the, the scary <laughs> Thank po- you. you 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 did a a, a, a very good pitch <laughs> this is a 100 percent.
0: oh my god i mean and th- the way medical technology is going this is within the realm of comprehension this doesn't even seem too far-fetched that this could be happening in the near future
3: uh but guess what uh um, you know, when uh, when I did uh, this movie, like when the movie is born in 2017, when I wrote the script, and uh, uh, the execution 2018 and 19. Uh, but um, I, my inspiration, my very first inspiration is like an implant, medical implant, who already exists in Sweden. Oh, wow. And it's already on the market in Sweden. Uh, is not, not talking to you, but basically... Is able like to scan your entire body about your diabetes or your cholesterol mm-hmm. or this kind of disease, and uh, you receive like through the cloud you receive like some other uh, if you are doing a bad, I mean uh, bad uh, a bad uh, uh, levels of whatever in your blood. So yeah, that was my first inspiration. Of course, further I we pushed it and um, and. Uh, it might be like uh, something science fiction, but it's going to be on a market in uh, maybe six months or one year maximum. Wow! So it's like it's something like clearly like uh, uh, attached to a reality.
0: See, this is scary. I don't need I don't need another voice in my head. I. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh yes too many many people already
0: yeah too Too many many people people. already up in there you know (laughs) i i walk around the house talking and answering myself anyway so i i don't need another voice in there to muddle things up i don't need a a voice to tell me that you're eating i'm not sleeping enough or i'm not eating right and i'm not i already know that i don't need to get reminded (laughs) (laughs)
3: But <laughs> that's when, like, very, uh, uh, at the very beginning, like, it's, like, uh, friendly with Sarah in the movie. Oh, my and, God, it's lovely. And then, uh, and then it becomes, you know, like, uh, quickly it becomes uh, uh, very personal, you know, like, and that's why, like, she wants to, to restart and to reboot uh, the system and, uh, and happens what is happening, you know. She's in hostage and she needs to obey, otherwise she dies. That's it. You know.
0: And this is where you're casting of Michelle yeah. Girolami as Sarah. She number yeah. one, your camera loves her. And you were also the cinematographer on this film, wrote writer, director, cinematographer. Yeah. The camera loves her, but her physicality and her expressiveness, when she doesn't listen to Lex and Lex, has the ability to inflict extreme pain on her body, right. to cut off her breathing passages, to accelerate her heart rate and push it to the point of the heart's going to explode. Um, what Michelle does with her body is incredible. It, oh my God,
3: Fabian! And, you know we shall and and, and uh, uh, in addition of that. Uh overall, you know, uh we shot in New York during winter time, so it mm-hmm. was like maybe uh minus something, extremely cold. And then we shot in Las Vegas in the desert, it was like one hundred and ten degrees. So even like you, you can feel it on camera, but that's mm-hmm. why it works very well, uh pretty well on, 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 on picture because yeah. she was like physically she was very aggressed by the by the climate, you know, mm-hmm. also
0: and you had her laying on the dirty new york sidewalk what is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> she's she's yeah. huddling in stairwells and it's like when you see her shivering uh, you know it's cold you know it's cold yeah. she's really shivering but then she yeah. you know she has to amp it up for when lex is doing things to her body or when she hasn't slept for days Or, and she hasn't eaten, and um, the makeup, your makeup, people do a great job of giving, sallowing out her cheeks and giving her dark circles under the eyes, and, um, you know, that works so well. But then you also bring in your visual effects. These are some really cool... Visual effects, as you really give yeah, us the sense my, of basically my,
3: my, the objective, the direction, and the objective was uh, they were like very clear. I definitely wanted like the audience to be um, uh, to have like um, a kind of um, uh, uh, to feel as much as possible the pain of Sarah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the only way to do that is to emphasize uh, uh, Lex attacks. And uh, using like some effects, using the sun design, like very aggressive, very, I mean, violent. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's why, like, that was my objective, like, to, for, in order, like, to, uh, to, uh, um, um, traumatize a little bit the audience, you know, like, so we can all be together and to understand that having a lex in your body is not a good idea.
0: Yeah, no, having <laughs> having lex in your body is definitely not a good idea. Uh, you know, I'm really curious because you use a lot of close-ups in this film. So right. it's like we are right in Sarah's head. It's like she, we're getting in her head. And it's almost as if we're trying to push Lex out of her head to get in there to experience what she's feeling. The, your close-ups, your, your ECUs are so effective, uh, Fabian. Thank you. I really love that and you capture her face and again this is what the camera loves Michelle's face um, and we yeah. really get that and when she's in agony and you pull in on, on hands or on her neck or, or a, a shoulder just something a body part and it's almost like we can feel it, the pain is transferring we can feel it through that shot
3: yes Yes, that was like that's a very good point, and I appreciate that you noticed. You noticed it. Uh, the direction was very clear. Like when we were like in a normal world, like in the city, or or like uh, uh, with normal world, it was extremely close up to be uh, so the audience can be uh, very close by the main character. Mm-hmm. And as soon we have some hallucination, I wanted to emphasize the emptiness and I went to, like, very wide shots yes. when in, she's in the desert or when she's, like, all about hallucination is, like, out of the box, and mm-hmm. I wanted to do, like, something, like, clearly very wide and, like, we can clear clearly understand that she's by herself and she's alone in this, like, crazy world, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's the, the way you play with, you know, with going wide to, to a regular two-shot, to the extreme close-ups they you have chosen them so wisely fabian so wisely uh you know i'm curious how challenging your editor was olivier wiki um how challenging was the edit on this one because you want you want us inside sarah's head and you know it's it's almost like we only it's kind of like you're getting the sense that she only has a few days to live uh, because of Lex. So it's nervous. It's nerve-wracking. And every time Lex does something horrid to Sarah, as Sarah tries to think for herself, uh, it's like, oh, God, is this going to be the moment she dies? Um, That's tricky to find that balance to keep us as the audience on our toes and the edge of our seat. Just waiting with mouth wide open. Oh my God! Is she gonna live? Uh, so
3: <laughs> how? how? Well, Olivier. Uh, Olivier. First of all, like on the paper, like Olivier and I, we work together since like uh, twelve years. He does like all of my commercial since I'm like a commercial director.
2: Mm-hmm. And we did
3: like we did like maybe another commercial together. So he knows we know each other like extremely well and the way. Uh, to the way I film. Uh, I film, like, this movie. This is how I do my commercial, too. This is my, I mean, my, my style. So we know we know how to do and to play with uh, texture and close-up and going mm-hmm. through close-up, going uh, uh, and then, like, wider shot or playing with, like, uh, cutaway and everything. So Olivia and I, like, uh, we prepped a lot before filming. And even... Since I produced it, what we were doing is basically we were filming during daytime or not nighttime, mm-hmm. and simultaneously, Olivier was doing the editing. So I had like uh, the, uh, the chance uh, and uh, to redo some shots sometimes, or even like to, uh, to, um, uh, uh, to uh, shoot like additional shots, because mm-hmm. I was like able to watch the edit at night after filming.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, because I love I, mean? I love the edit. I really I love the edit. And you mentioned something important. You mentioned texture, and number one, being in New York, you get a lot of the grit and the texture. Uh, but you also bring in texture with layers. Sarah has layers of clothes at all times. Until you know, until we get to the third act, suddenly all of those layers are gone. And I love yeah. the metaphor that you create and the texture that, that, that all of those layers bring in, just like the layers of the dirt in New York City. I hate to say it, but yes, the layers of the dirt on the buildings and the ground. This all comes to pl- into, the, into play here in building this character and this story. And then we go to Vegas mm-hmm. with these hallucinogenic images, and you amp up the color um, you oversaturate, over-light uh, out in the desert, and you've got bright yellow tones that almost want, want to make you put on sunglasses, uh, a neon yellow against, of sun and sand mixing, but it's the layers of the mountains and the sand and the sun. The textures that you bring to life are just amazing.
3: Uh, th- thank you, and uh, but this is like um, uh, the big part of the the, re- the big challenge of this movie was like clearly to spend a lot of time for uh, scooting, scouting, and uh, because I'm like uh, uh, living in New York since now like uh, 15 years, and I did a lot of filming here and photo uh, a picture photography. Mm-hmm. I-, I know I know this city like my pocket, you know. So I know exactly when to film at the right moment because I want the, I want like the good lighting when, uh, when the shadow is beautiful, when, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the good, the good time of the year because filming during winter time, uh, the light is like clearly different, you know, yes. like a very smoothy soft light, uh, is not sharp as like, uh, summer. Uh, so yeah, it's like, um, it's a lot of prep it's a lot of threats.
0: Now, did you, because you were shooting this yourself, uh, did you storyboard this? Did you shot list this? How did, how did you, uh, design that for yourself, for your ease of, of Uh, direction and shooting?
3: Uh, yes or no? Uh, I, we did of course like a, a kind of shot list, like basic shot list, uh, because I needed like for myself, but you know, it is, you know, when you're on set and uh, you have the inspiration Uh, i i carry my camera and i'm with my actress and uh, i know exactly according to what is going on because she did a lot of improv a lot of improv uh uh and uh, i was like we were like we were playing and it was okay let's maybe propose something else and uh, we did additional shots and um uh, Olivier has it was more job for him because I I was going back uh, to the post house with a lot of footage uh but uh, at the end of the day we we got a lot of options so he he was happy he was mm-hmm. very happy
0: <laughs> Sometimes it's better to have more footage than not enough
3: <laughs> Yeah but the, the, the details they don't like when you come to with like hours and hours of footage because you know it's like too much options. Sometimes it's kind of uh, difficult to uh, um, to uh, to uh, to, uh, to, uh, to take some uh, the right decision. You know, what I mean. Mm-hmm. But we did it, uh, and we 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 took the time to think about the edit. We did some we did some screening with people, uh, some test 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 screening uh, with people, and then we went back to editing. And then, yeah. So. That's the good thing when you produce by yourself, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, p- the third act, we see Sarah in Paris. Now, did you go to Paris to shoot, or did you shoot that in Vegas? Since Vegas has so much. No, we filmed.
3: Uh, we filmed in my town in Paris. Hundred percent. You yes. did. Uh, ah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can hear that I'm French,
0: huh? Uh, just a little bit.
3: Just, just a little <laughs> bit, Fabien.
0: Uh, it, I mean it's beautiful the light is beautiful the buildings are beautiful um, and it really is after seeing what Sarah has gone through for the first two acts of the film this is just Paris is stunning absolutely stunning and yeah
3: the idea the, obje- the, the, the objective was like to contrast the two first part, mm-hmm. uh, part of the movie. And to contrast it like completely, and to, uh, to surprise the audience because you can see even acting wise, she's completely different. She yes. became like she became you know like she's like super cold, like she's like, and 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 you don't you know, say okay she switched. She became uh, is like a, uh, 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 is like um uh, like, Co- a, ro- like or, a robot, like a robot, exactly, Kobe, yeah. So. Um, it was like uh, in order like to surprise the audience or to contrast, uh, to give a small brief, you know, like to the audience. And then, of course, uh, we slapped, I, I guess we slap again, like uh, uh, the audience, because Lex was very vicious and smart when he proposed, like, Paris. Um, it was not free, it's because, like, she had the last mission to do in France.
0: Mm mm-hmm. Lex is never out of missions. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, the Paris sequences are beautiful and you keep the and Paris you're shooting most of that wide so that it, we get a sense that she's alone even though Sarah's alone even though she's not alone. But
3: 100 yep. b-
0: But she is very robotic, almost like she's been beaten down and she's a shell of the person that she once was. Um it's. I love. I love the emotional contrast that you give us, especially when we get to that third act. Um, it really it speaks so loudly. S- there's no very little dialogue, but it the imagery speaks so loudly, and this is where your score. What were you looking for musically with this film because this is a tough kind of film to score
3: Ah uh, you mean like the music the music the yes yeah so i was i'm I'm working with the same team since like many years and we Scott and we found like beautiful artists uh, from uk and uh, and when I listened uh, this uh, uh, score, I fell in love immediately and I said, okay. We are going to do like a beautiful contrast,
2: mm-hmm. giving
3: like a good emotion, and uh, and and just so one more time to just to give a brief to the audience and even to Sarah itself, the character, and um, so because like when you watch like the first hour is like punchy to punchy, you know it's nonstop. She yes. she's like she's super down, and then I wanted to give a small break uh, with and uh, of course like to to be more uh uh poor football, the a very ending.
0: Mhm. No, I I love the music. I love the music. And yeah, it also it gives Michelle as an actor a little bit of a respite also knowing that there that there's going to be some music as an undercurrent that's happening. Because she's in she's in what every every scene in this film.
3: She's by herself 100%. Yes. 100%. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
0: She's in every every scene of the film.
3: Every scene, she's here. She's like she 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 she's a movie. She's yeah. implanted. Hundred percent.
0: Yo, how did you find Michelle to cast for Implanted? That was
3: a big that was a big journey because I cast almost 400 people for 400 <gasps> people in New York. Oh my god. Yeah, I spent like five months to cast. And uh when I found her, it was an evidence for me I fell in love immediately uh, uh, uh i mean the um the test she did was amazing plus physically she has like this uh beautiful big eyes blue mm-hmm. eyes and short hairs she was my she was sarah for me she was something like modern and vulnerable but strong and more like something like a little unique and memorable you know what i mean yeah
0: Oh, she, it's like, because I'm watching her and you cannot look away, even though she's the only one on screen, you cannot look away. She, she's magnetic in her performance, but also her features, as you said, her eyes and considering you have, the eyes do become very important certain moments in the film because of Lex. Um, so to see that contrast as well between uh, Michelle's gorgeous blue eyes and then what Lex can do to somebody's eyes um, is very important. Um, but, 100%. Uh, but on every level, Fabian, uh, this was just mesmerizing. Fascinating film, mesmer. Fascinating
3: story, mesmerizing. Uh, you know, at, the, at the end of the day, right now, like people, they like it or they hate it. There is no middle.
0: <laughs> the, you know, but anytime you get a film like this, anytime you're bringing in um, science, medicine, these scientific studies and thinking outside the box, I've noticed over the over the years that yeah, it, they become the kind of film either you like it or you hate it. Really yeah, especially
3: in- right now. Especially right now, yes. people are like so divided because of the pandemic and everything. And I don't want to make. I just want to make sure that this movie is not like uh, an anti-vax movie or whatever, because
0: it oh, he was born no.
3: much before much before uh, COVID nineteen. You know?
0: Yeah, I mean this this is so far from an anti-vax movie. Um, yeah, it's this is it's a thriller. It, this is a thriller, yeah. a psychological thriller that incorporates technology because this Correct. is this is technology. It's not medicine. It's technology <laughs> um, yep. that is being used by a medical corporation. Uh, totally different than vaccine. Uh, so, no, I just what was the most challenging aspect of. Of making Implanted for you as a filmmaker, you have so much experience with music videos and commercials. You and you've done some short films. What is was the biggest challenge of bringing Implanted to life for you as a director?
3: Uh, to uh, to find to find solution, but this is like when you are like you don't have a big budget. It's like to find like solution and to be uh, 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 creative and to be, uh, yeah, just to being like more creative because you know that I won't have the same amount of uh, 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 equipment and crew as when I film, you know, like a commercial, sure. you know what I mean? So the big challenge is like, sometimes you are like a very small crew, you're like five, 10 people on set, and you have to be creative and multitask. And um, that was the biggest challenge, you know? hmm But, <laughs> and, the, and the weather, on the weather. <laughs> 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 you picked winter you have no one to blame but yourself <laughs> yeah but the good thing is like michelle uh, that's why she's very tough even with the cold, because michelle is from montana
0: oh well that's yeah, uh, now think? we know now we know why you hired her that's why you cast yeah. her because <laughs> she could shoot in 10 feet of snow <laughs> if you needed her too oh my god yeah you know, I have to ask you um because it's not often I get to, I get to have a director who's also the film cinematographer on what were you shooting with what lenses did you use and what camera did you use for implanting
3: uh, no we shot we we, we, we shot uh, with a red cam the uh, weapon mm-hmm. red camera we shot in 8k to uh, uh-huh. so, so super wide uh, resolution 8K and uh I used, um, because I was like, I had to go very fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used uh, zoom, only zoom lenses, because I didn't have, like, the the time to change my lens. But most of the time, I was using, like, this beautiful Optimo Ingenieur uh, zoom. Very lovely. And I can see why you you go uh, with the zooms, yeah. I had, like, the small one uh, going to uh, uh, 16 to 55, and I had, like, uh, 55 to... Uh, with uh, uh, the doubler uh, extended, uh, I was going up to 300. So I covered like uh, 16 to 300 millimeters with two zoom.
0: Wow. Wow. So
3: that's why like, uh, I was like very, sometimes you have the feeling that I'm close to her, but I gave her a lot of privacy on set, and I was maybe uh, 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 crossing the street. But because I had my long lens.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I was catching, you know, like a close-up, but I sometimes I wanted her to be alone so she could, like, uh, she she was uh, no pressure with the camera, like very sure. close to her, so she was able, like, you know, like to improve and to give me like some, uh, yeah, uh, uh, free motions, movement uh, uh, in the street or whatever, and I was like crossing the street with my long lens.
0: And those Optimaingen are, are lovely lenses and you don't get fall off they're they're very they're very clear they're crisp and they're beautiful beautiful glass yes and
3: uh, beautiful lens and uh, for even uh, all the carnation uh, I mean like a uh, skin town and everything it, it's like a, a smooth softness and of course I was using a lot of filters uh, so yeah uh, we had a uh, Best set, and uh, most of the cam- most of the movie we were on, like shoulder cam because no time to get like any uh, uh, grips or, or dirty or crane or whatever. So oh ninety nine percent my shoulder. Wow!
0: And there's no shaky cam. Thank you no, for that. I- Thank you for that. No I- shaky cam.
3: Uh, I-, I practice my yoga very often. <laughs> Well, it paid
0: off here. <laughs> boy, oh boy, Fabian. Well, now now, Implanted just came out on Friday on digital, correct?
3: Digital and uh, selected theaters.
0: Lovely. Oh.
3: Yeah. Fabian? And it's going to be in uh, di- different countries uh, in Europe or in Asia in the next month.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, Fabian, this has been such a joy talking to you about Implanted. I have to go back and so see much. I have to go back and see it again because there is so much so much in this film that I want I thank you so very much, much visual detail that I, I want to look at it again to see more of it and be able to really you know, dive in visually into all of those close ups that you bring us. Oh. Fabian, thank you so so much. I hope you'll come back on the show again sometime.
3: Yes.
0: Well, good. Good. In the meantime, everybody can go watch Implanted.
3: Oh, Thank fa- you. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you for Fabian. calling me. And, uh...
0: and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was Fabian DuFils talking about Implanted. That is out digitally right now. Um, it's 93 minutes you know it's quick but it's fascinating it is a fascinating film so that concludes our day of darkness uh with some psychological thrillers and character studies here on behind the lens um as i mentioned at the top of the show a lot of great films are out there that just opened on on friday including venom 2 is out Uh, Of course, on Friday, James Bond, Daniel Craig's final film. I think, yeah, this Friday. uh, That'll be out. But I'm very excited. You don't want to miss next Monday's show because Miles Doliak is joining us um, to talk about his upcoming film, Demigod. I love Miles. I was there with him for his very first film. Many years ago the historian that had its world premiere at dances with films uh, at the Chinese theater in Hollywood and I have been along for this ride uh, with all of his with all of his films and I'm so excited about this new one uh, that I really think um, may get more people to sit up and take notice because it's a dandy uh, but miles will be with us next week so. I can't wait for that. But in the meantime, check out old Henry, check out mayday. Um, you know, check out implanted, check out through the glass, darkly, AKA disappearance at Lake Elrod, uh, American night. You've got that one out there. Uh, Diana, the musical, the starling is also on Netflix. Um, let me tell you, with the Starling, the script is better than the film as a whole. I will give you that. And what else? What else? Oh my God, there was something else I wanted to recommend to everybody to see. But I can't find it right now. Well, I'll, I'll think on it. And you can check it out on BehindTheLensOnline.net. Or come to AdrenalineRadio.com next Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We will be here. So until then, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens.